Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Welcome to The Connection, a weekly radio program where we share our experiences and expertise with stories of caring, courage, and change right here in Connecticut. Listen to learn about needed resources to improve your well-being and transform your life. Now, here are the hosts of The Connection, Lisa DeMattis-Lapore and Ann Baldwin. Good morning, everyone, and welcome to another edition of The Connection right here on WTIC News Talk 1080. I am one of your hosts here solo in my Baldwin Media Studios. We're still keeping our safe distances this coronavirus thing continues to unfold and make everybody's lives a little crazy right now. And speaking of crazy. <laughs> Is that my introduction? That's your introduction, that's Lisa. Not, that's why that's scary. Um, I'm not... I might be a little crazy. Everyone has to be right now right. in these unprecedented times. But this is Lisa DeMattis-Lapori, uh, President and CEO of The Connection, um, tuning in on this morning um, as we live our life of social distancing, and it's a new learning curve for all of us right now on how to, um, you know, maneuver um, each moment of the day and to get through something that um, at least, you know, we've never seen Anne in our lifetime, and um, hopefully we never will, um, but these are, you know, unprecedented times, and um, we just are plugging along and hope that our listeners are doing the same. Yeah, you know, what I've I had to do, Lisa, is, I don't remember, it's one of my relatives, it was my mother, actually, who said... You know, you got to look for the blessing in the problem. What's what's the blessing in the problem? And as I think about that, you know, I was recently down in Texas visiting my um, granddaughter, and she showed an interest in, in piano, so I got her a really cool keyboard before all this started. And then when I was down there, she's eight, and no one's ever had the patience to teach her to ride a bike. So we went and got her a nice 20-inch bike, but she wanted training wheels. Now, 20-inch bikes don't come with training wheels. But I said, damn it, we're going to figure this out. And I went and found some training wheels, and I put it on there. And, you know, they didn't even touch. She got on that bike, and boom, off she went. And now that's all she's doing because she can is get outside and ride her bike. And the training wheels came off immediately. But for her, it was a psychological thing. It was a safety thing. Mm -hmm. And so I'm just so happy that I left her in this difficult time that is so unsettling, at least with a keyboard and a new talent in, in riding a bike. So I get a few points for that, right, as a grandma? I think that's great. Yeah, that's good. I do. So I I'm gonna, so I know good. we've got a good friend of yours on the show today, so I'm going to give you yes. the honors of doing the introductions, please. 
I'm really excited uh, to introduce um, our guest today. Uh, Bill Carbone is the Senior Lecturer and Executive Director of Justice Programs at the Tau Youth Justice Institute at the University of New Haven. Uh, welcome, Bill. As always, it's such an honor and pleasure to have you with us. Well, it's an honor and pleasure uh, to be here, both my uh, fondness for, uh, the, for the connection and all the good work it does in our communities, and also my uh, full confidence in you as the leader of that great organization. So, um, Bill, you know, everyone that's listening, you know, most folks know you um, for the amazing work that you've done at the state of Connecticut um, for the um, community justice population. And now um, you're doing a lot of work on the state's juvenile justice population. And I wanted to mm -hmm. talk to you about how these young people are coping um, during this pandemic that we're um, living in right now. There's a lot to be concerned about with the kids who are right now, you know, believe they're immortal, they're uh, in their teens, and they are into risk-taking because it's a natural thing to do uh, during adolescence. And so this whole notion of so social distancing to them um, is foreign. Um, one of the things I've tried to do to keep sanity uh, every day is, you know, Kathy and I go out for a walk, uh, mm -hmm. two to three-mile walk, and all along the way, you see kids together. Um, some cities have actually taken the liberty of going to playgrounds and removing hoops uh, so kids wouldn't congregate there. But, you know, that just means they'll congregate somewhere else. So we need to worry about um, kids in general. I, I think the second biggest problem are the kids who are in institutional settings right now and the adults in institutional settings and the potential for spread when people yeah. are in groups like that. And the third real concern I have is within both the adult and juvenile probation systems, there's a tremendous amount of therapeutic interventions, many of which are actually administered by the connection. And so much of that requires direct contact. I don't know, uh, you know, I'm doing my classes now in a distance learning environment, but these are with motivated students. I don't know that you can do the same thing. With this population, it really hasn't been tested and tried. Uh, but at the same time, we run the risk of losing their interest, losing their involvement in the very things that could keep them productive in the community. So I think this has presented a lot of challenges for the justice system. So much of what The Connection does, as Bill mentioned, with so many of your programs is face-to-face -face or it's, you know, it's not virtual. So I guess this will kind of be a test, right, a, a test for all of us to see, you know, can this work and does it work? You know, I'm just thinking of some of the uh, therapeutic groups that we do with the juveniles. That notion of using restorative justice, justice techniques and sitting in circles and really having a trained facilitator work with them to try to restructure their cognitive thinking process, I'm not sure that the same thing can be communicated. Uh, and again, I've only done it now for two days with my own uh, students. But remember, these are students who's either themselves or parents are paying for this class. So they're very, very highly motivated. But I worry that it wouldn't have the same effect on the uh, client population that we deal with. And I would also add this um, additional problem. Uh, many of the young people in the system are rather disconnected from schools. They may right. not have the Chromebooks that many students have. That's right. 
They may live in impoverished areas. Let's not assume that they all, you know, have the access to Wi-Fi, the access to technology that would be necessary for distance learning. Um, They Mm -hmm. can't go to public places where computers might be available to the public because of the distancing requirements. Yeah. Right. So um, I, I think there's just a number of complications here that make it very difficult for us to effectively reach our population. I'm just hoping and praying that it's over. Right. If you're just tuning in, we're speaking with Bill Carbone. He's a senior lecturer and executive director of the justice programs at the Tau Youth Justice Institute. What do you think, and I know, you know, we, none of us have a crystal ball, what do you think the long-term impacts of what we're talking about here today could be? The sad part is that at least for some period of time, some people who are truly dependent upon uh, the contact with um, justice system agents, and I include in that people like probation officers and people like service providers such as the connection, they're very dependent upon that, and especially at the beginning of their supervision period when their lives may be really very, very uh, diffused. You know, they need housing, they need connection to mental health services, they need connection to um, anger management, they need connection to perhaps food, to perhaps clothing, to perhaps employment and training, and you try to go to the one-stops, they're closed. You can't, I mean, where can we send these people now? to get the help that they need. Those agencies are closed, so it's harder and harder, even to file for unemployment. Mm. You know, I was reading the other day that so many people have filed that the system couldn't handle the capacity of it. Just think about this person who's getting out of jail, coming onto the probation system, and he doesn't have credit, he doesn't have stable housing, he still has many of the same issues that he had before he went in, and now he's coming out. And the resources that we typically have to make that reentry smooth are not neatly in place. So what can we do? Well, I think the supervision agents have to try to stay as close as possible to them, even though for the most part it will be by phone. There may be some meetings in the probation office, but I know that they would have to be at some distance. But I think the ability to refer them to programs is going to be limited right now. So perhaps one of the most important things that agents can do is to stay in touch, even on an individual level, which is to call them on a regular basis. If, in fact, you can ease their pathway to some service, even if it's as simple as getting food so they can eat, If there's a program out there, by the way, that has found success with distance learning uh, using some of the, uh, you know, proven effective um, cognitive behavioral therapies, and, for example, I know the connection does a lot with that, let's try it. This is the time to try it. That's what we can do with as many that the technology will allow us to reach. We are 
you know, we're trying to do that right now for obviously for the residential programs that the Connection runs. And, you know, we serve hundreds Mm -hmm. that are in our residential programming. They're continuing to have service that we're not necessarily um, having huge, huge groups, but they're, you know, getting um, individual sessions and they're eating for those uh, clients that we have that are re- are in re-ent- re-entry supportive housing. Um, we are, you know, mm-hmm. able to contact them usually, um, you know, via cell phone or, you know, drop, tr- drop yeah. leave food and supplies off to them. And, you know, try to keep in touch that way to keep those folks engaged because that you and I both know, Bill, that that's really crucial. The long-term ramifications are concerning. We don't know what that will be. Yeah, and add to it that the supervision officers for the state may also be running with skeleton crews in their office so that you'll have perhaps fewer people there to be the ones to make the contact. And even mm-hmm. though the population may be growing. So it's a, it's a very tough time, and it will really test the ability of our uh, public and private system to try to try to be of help. You know what I think is interesting from the, from the outside looking in, and someone who, you know, I focus on crisis communication and public relations, but how here we are talking about how that interaction and that person-to-person contact, you know, with these clients is so important. Yet, from my vantage point, you know, incarceration and jail and so many of these programs are all about isolation. It seems so contradictory to me. Yeah, I think that's, I think it is, it it is contradictory. You know, this is what to me raises raises the question, the people who are incarcerated today, and this is why we as a society need to worry about this whole idea of, do they absolutely need to be there? Does the sentence need to be as long as it is? Does the bond uh, need to be as high as it is? Because that is, I think, putting people in a more dangerous situation by putting them behind bars, especially at this time when the opportunity to spread is so um, great. You may have seen that there's a lot of advocacy groups in the state that have been making a lot of noise now in the last, yeah. you know, two to three weeks about um, getting, you know, the courts to review bonds and say, does he really need, you know, he's been in for a month, can I lower the bond to something he can afford to get him out? You know, I think all those things are necessary to do during this time. From one of the other perspectives, though, is playing devil's advocate. Okay, so are, are there some organizations, are there some groups, are there some individuals and I know the answer to this is yes, but, you know, that'll take advantage of maybe leniency here or maybe monies that are going to come in and, and they'll be misused. I mean, that's the other thing I believe that we all have to be cautious of is not overreacting mm-hmm. and opening the floodgates for so many different reasons just because it'll make some people's life easier. Yeah, I think uh, other people that would take advantage of the situation will like to go so. That just creates the need to be selective. And you've got to remember, I mean, people who go in eventually do come out. And some of them are in for relatively short periods of time. Some have been in pretrial for several months, and their case is likely to be disposed. So, I mean, I think there are cases that you can look at where you might be able to make a decision that would allow the person to get out sooner. That's simply to try to reduce the opportunity for, you know, mass infection 
in the facilities. And you got to remember, too, that now visiting is, is not allowed. It's prohibited, yeah. Um, so the notion of any contact with the outside world, I think there may be some limitations on education, you know, in particular now for the young people at the Manson Youth Institutions, unless they're doing education and still allowing for the social distance between teacher and students. So we, we need to worry about um, when they are behind bars, um, are they in fact uh, being isolated a lot more now because of the worry of spread? Right. So let right. me, Lisa, let me let me throw something out there. And, and you know, Bill, again, Bill Carbone is with us. Um, one of the things that I'm also paying close attention to is, you know, the lack of programs that people are accustomed to right now. So gyms are closed down. Uh, you know, to me, mm-hmm. the hair, to me, and I know for you, Lisa, the hair, hairdresser is therapeutic. I'm one who attends regular 12-step meetings. Um, those are no longer mm-hmm. available in person. I mean, they're available online. We've got so many people who are vulnerable out there right now. Um, I mm-hmm. know for me, I, I'm jonesing because I can't go to a meeting. Um, so what else is, what's your advice for our listeners or people who, whatever your thing is that you can't do right now that helps you feel mentally better because these resources aren't available. So you've already got issues. You're going to go back out into this world, not only dealing with the coronavirus, but dealing with the fact that you don't have the support systems maybe in programs that you had before. Well, you know, what I would say is that it, it presents a problem for the system, and that's the state system as well as the public, the uh, private sectors. Because the, the clients are still there. It's not like, you know, uh, you mentioned before the, you know, a beauty salon or, a, you know, or a gym, because people deliberately choose to go there. These people are under state supervision. They are in right. the custody of an officer. The officers made referrals. Our business doesn't just stop. What it presents is this challenge to develop, you know, new ways perhaps to reach these clients, and that's where we have the technology um, limitations, or perhaps new ways to just talk to them on the phone. Mm-hmm. Because there's right. never, you know, a phone contact isn't something that's uh, commonly done, but I would say how about just checking in? Right. You know, maybe during times like this when they are more limited in what they can do in the community, uh, that might be more appreciated. That's a really good point. So you also are a, a senior lecturer at the University of New Haven, and um, I'm, I'm assuming that it's justice programs that you teach. So what is the lesson? What's the lesson that your students are getting right now that you never dreamed they'd be getting? Um, that um, almost anything can happen, you know? I mean, I, 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 some of them, it's interesting, uh, before the, in the day or so before the university closed, they were planning their spring break. And they were actually, they were actually uh, getting on planes the next day and going places, and then I saw those pictures on TV of all those kids on the beach. And oh, yeah. kids just you know, generally think that they are invincible. Um, so they had that on their minds. Um, I don't think they contemplated that they wouldn't have a graduation ceremony and that all these things would be um, changing for them. I, 
communicate it with so many of them who, who are really sad at leaving their friends and leaving the end-of-the-year activities, you know, not happening. So um, I think it's been a, a wake-up call for students, as it has been for some adults, that, you know, you have to be more appreciative when things are normal, Agreed. when you can't shake hands with people, you know, when you can uh, go out together, when you can go to a gym together, when you can go to the movies and do things that we took for granted before. And so I think this has given young people a joke. I mean, I, I've, I've never done um, the, uh, distance learning classes. I am now doing them. I had to get trained. And, and it, you know, it's not the same. To me, I like to see the students reacting to what I'm saying. I like to keep calling on them. And I like an interactive classroom. It's a little difficult to do that um, when you're, have 30 students and they're online. So it's presented many challenges that we make us all, I think, appreciate norm normalcy um, when it comes. Absolutely. For all, I agree, Bill. For all generations. You know, Lisa was Lisa's working from home and, and uh, her senior mm -hmm. in high school just uh, went out and went fishing, right, Lisa? Yeah, to a, you know, a place. I mean, he never does that. No, but you know, it, he's checking in on me. He's by himself, but he just needs to be outside. He's running. He's trying to, you know, misses his friends, misses the contact. Um, yeah, had a complete meltdown the other night, um, which you know about, you know, again, just how scary all of it is and what does it mean, and you know, just so confused about you know the world, and of course, you yeah. know being really in contact, obviously, and, you know, he's asking me, well, what about, you know, the clients in your programs, and what about, you know, I, which, you know, I mean, if anything, you know, there's a lot more conversation happening. I'm um, seeing him a lot less on social media, which I, I find interesting, um, mm -hmm. wanting to be outside and wanting to interact, but just, you know, missing, afraid about the world, afraid about, you know, his grandmother, afraid about, you know, just sort of the unknown. Yeah. It's just, it's very unsettling. It's unsettling for all of us, um, for all of my peers out there in the nonprofit um, world. I'm grateful for each and every one of you. Um, you're all heroes to me, um, talking to many of you frequently, whether we're on the phone with DOC or CSSD or DEMIS um, or DOH or each other, just to support each other, um, fighting the good fight, caring about this, a citizen's in Connecticut and how we, you know, want to continue to serve them and just trying to be super creative together as a group to um, get through this battle. And, um, we, you know, we want to continue our mission, just like you want to continue your mission, right, Bill, at um, yeah. UNH. And it's just trying to think out of the box on how we can, how we can do that. You know, I'm, I'm using technology in my... Um classes now that I never thought possible because I never had to worry about it. And mm -hmm. so, you know, you <laughs> you sort of find some strengths that you didn't know you had uh, until you were required to look for them. Absolutely. Well, well you know, I think... I and I hope we find that with the in trying to serve this population as well. Uh, yeah. Bill Carbone from uh, University of New Haven, where you are a senior lecturer and also the executive director of the justice programs at the Tau Youth Justice Institute, and a good friend of Lisa DeMattis Lapore. We want to thank you for being on this program and really giving us some great things to think about. Thank you thank for you, inviting Bill. me. 
Bye-bye. Thank you, Bill. As always, we love having you thank on. Thank you, Lisa. And, of course, we want to thank our listeners for tuning in to this edition of The Connection right here on WTIC News Talk 1080. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.